All right, dummies, here we go. Beyond Yacht Rock podcast is brought to you on the Feral Audio Network. Go to feralaudio.com. Shop Amazon through their Shop Amazon button. That portal helps support other feral uh, artists, including us. On April 21st, 2016, America lost its answer to Mozart. The culprit was prescription opioid painkillers. Since 1999, opioid prescriptions have quadrupled and so have overdose deaths in a colossal failure of the American medical establishment. But we aren't here to figure out why 75% of all prescriptions worldwide for those drugs are written right here in the United States. No! We are here to wrap up the Beyond Yacht Rock songwriters series by celebrating the legacy of Prince Rogers Nelson. Arguably the most demoralizing androgynous musical genius rock star death of 2016. Arguably. Arguably. Well, I thought Joe Walsh was pretty demoralizing. He had long hair, like a woman. Is he yeah. dead? He died? Oh, a different guy. Never mind. Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. <laughs> From the Warriors soundtrack. I'm glad I'm glad we caught that. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. David, David Bowie at least gave us a sense of closure by making a video about his impending death, after which his album hit number one on the charts for the first time in America's chart history. Prince was still working, still releasing a steady stream of music, didn't seem to be anywhere close to done. Like this song, Black Sweat, was from 2006, and it's freaking awesome, as you can hear. Return to his minimalist funk sound, lots of space in the arrangement, real funky, real up to date, contemporary. Nothing else in the world sounded like Prince, although if he wanted to, Prince could sound like anything else that struck his fancy. I am personally convinced, with no evidence at all, that there is an entire Prince thrash metal album somewhere in the vaults of Paisley Park, something he recorded just to prove to himself he could do it, that will never see the light of day. Prince was a one-man band, capable of playing every instrument on an album if he felt like it. He was an athlete who expended more energy in a two-and-a-half-hour concert than I normally do in a week, which is probably why at age 57 he needed increasing amounts of painkillers to live up to his own standards as a live performer. And, on a more personal basis, to me, he was living proof that skinny androgynous weirdos could indeed have sex with busloads of women. Now we've probably all seen the wait, many, wait. many... You what? gotta be Prince to do that. Yeah, he's got way more energy than me. Oh, okay. The point is, yeah, somebody I... could do it. Okay. It wasn't me, but somebody. I don't think it, I don't think it was because he was skinny and androgynous that... I mean, it helped. And I don't think you're androgynous at all. I've been mistaken for a woman more times than you can count. Unfortunately, not by a busload of horny women. No, it's always by, like, fat white dudes in Michigan. <laughs> Uncles. <laughs> I only have one uncle. He knows I'm a dude. Now, we've all returning to the subject at hand. I can't believe you're the only one wearing purple tonight. <laughs> JD's got a purple jacket on. Good job, JD. Thank you. Finish. <laughs> yeah. Now, we've all probably seen the many, many ten, th ten songs you never knew were written by Prince listicles that came out after he died. I don't know if we found anything that wasn't in at least one of those, but we were planning this songwriter series well before he died, and goddammit, we're gonna use all that research anyway. So lube up, cause y'all are about to get princed.
killer. This is the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast, where we create genres and count them down. My name is J.D. Riznar. Hello, I'm Hollywood Steve. David Lyons. And I am Hunter. Good old Hunter. Yeah! Because you guys love Yacht Rock so much, we like to throw a bone to a Yacht Rock song every week. And this week is no no exception. Yeah, this one's a jam. This is Kenny Rogers. You're my love. Wait, say that again? Who? Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers? You're my love. This is kind of a Yacht Rock vestige. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's late era. It's from 1986. Um, Kenny Rogers' 84 album, What About Me, is one that Hunter discovered as a Yacht Rock classic. It's produced by David Foster. Ah, but so good. This song is from his 86 album, They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, which includes production work by the other half of the band Airplay, Jay Poopin' Graydon. He's good. This album has contributions Poopin'. by Luke Lukather, Carol Bayer Sager, and possible Yacht Rocker, Elda Barge, mm-hmm. and not Yacht Rocker, Michael Bolton. Did you say Luke Lukather? Yeah, that's yeah, his that's new first name. Yeah, we call him Luke. Um, Got that from uh, Graydon. So the writer. So I call him up. I says Luke. So you know we're doing a song about Prince, and I'm like, why did Hunter recommend this song by a writer named Joey Coco? Oh, what a silly name! What a silly name! Come to find out, Joey Coco was one of the many nom de plumes used by (laughs) Prince Rogers Nelson when he wanted to write for a crossover kind of artist. Yeah, and this is some hot Joey Coco. Yeah. With marshmallows and everything. Yeah. Uh, some other Prince and Dom de Plumes. Jamie Starr, Tora Tora, Christopher Tracy, Alexander Nevermind. But you know, usually Prince. We'll get to those. We'll get, yeah. get to those. We'll get to some yeah. of those. Uh, Joey Coco right now. So, listen. How great is it, guys, that Prince has a toe in Yacht Rock? It's pretty great. It's a great I thing. told you he could do anything. That's, yeah. He could sound like anything he wanted to. I mean... And if he wanted to sound like Yacht Rock... He had the jazz chops to do it. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, this is the only example of Prince and Yacht Rock. It is really late, like I said, 86, but it still has some great yacht production touches. It's really a lovely song. And this yeah. is this is probably going to be it, because you need a gray beard stronger than Michael McDonald's to pull Prince into the into the harbor. And that's where Kenny, Kenny Rogers came in. It's the power of the gray. Why do you think the word gray is in Jay Graydon's last name? Uh, because he's Welsh. Why do you think Poopin is his middle name? Oh, we went over because he writes songs when he poops. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, also, I want to shout out the uh, the Kenny Rogers album before uh, What About Me, which was uh, it's from 1983. It's called Eyes That See in the Dark. It was entirely written for him by the Bee Gees, and it's the one with uh, Islands in the Stream. Yeah, I didn't know? know the Bee Gees wrote that before I did research. And I want to and I want to uh, shout out the the album he made in between this one and What About Me. Don't listen to it. Just pretend that it was the Bee Gees, Toe Dip, and Full On Yacht Rock. Because that one is not good. The one in between is not very good. It's a bunch of country garbage. Hey, speaking of throwing bones to fans, we're going to be throwing a big bone to our fans in San Diego. Yeah. In, in less than a month now as of this yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's coming up. We're going to do a live podcast from the Whistle Stop Bar in San Diego, California mm-hmm. on June 24th. It's a Saturday at 4 p.m. July. July 24th. July 24th. It's a Saturday at 4 p.m. It's a happy hour. 
podcast. Oh, it's going to be fun. We just booked someone to do live bumpers. Oh, yeah. Shh, don't tell them who it is. It's going to be a hot surprise. And also, if you're at Comic-Con, check us out Saturday morning at some time. We'll have a, a time later. We'll be at the Starburns booth. Yeah. You guys want to talk about songs written by Prince? Okay. Hell yeah. Sounds pretty good to me. <clears throat> Why do I have to play the song? Yeah, you should. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. Oh, deep oh, cut. Oh, man. So, there's either nothing terribly complex about a Prince song, or they're clouded in thick symbolism. He's got Jack You Off and Get Off, pretty clear what those are about. But then he's got this song, Purple Rain, When Doves Cry. Like the Kenny Rogers song was an example of a pretty simple Prince song. Just a simple, beautiful sentiment. You'll hear the same dichotomy in songs he writes for others, too. They're either literal or literary. Uh, a few mm, here and there. Have, thank you very much. A few here and there have a weird mix of both. Either way, it's great. It's freaking Prince. Oh. And the, when you say when you say simple, you're not talking about the music. You're talking about the emotions. The emotion. Yeah. Lyrics. Yeah. The music can go fucking anywhere. Yeah. Well, what I would like to say about Prince is the thing about him is he's an ex he's extremely effective as we discussed. But it gets totally gets overlooked because of how because of his presence and how amazing he is on stage and his musicianship. He does everything. Yeah, like he will mix his own guitar solos with a series of pedals backstage. And people kind while of he's playing. Yeah, and people forget hit forget there's uh, words going along with all that shit. Well, I really like your point here because it's it's hard to focus on that when you see a five foot five man jump off of a piano in high heeled boots, yeah. land in the splits, and then while holding those splits, slide all yeah. the way across. And you're the gonna stage. assume somebody else did all the other stuff yeah. going on in the background. As we talk about Prince's songwriting, though, let's go from a song Prince performed and wrote to one that he simply wrote. He's on this song. He's on this song too. Oh yeah, we're going from Purple Rain to uh, Graffiti Bridge. Tevin Campbell's Round and Round. Yeah, and you can hear this is like a perfectly perfect song. Its its structure is flawless. The concepts are very simple. Yeah, it's very focused. Yeah, and when he and but when he wants to evoke emotional moments, he can he uses very colorful metaphors that everybody can kind of get behind and and have a good time with. And you hear it in the Often song. literal colors. Yes. Purple rain, computer blue. Have any of you guys ever Raspberry seen uh, Prince live? Yes. Yeah, I, I, saw, I saw him at Van Andel Arena in Grand Rapids <laughs> in 1999. Jam of the year? Yep. Yep, I was at that show. I could not be more pleased with my one Prince experience. I saw him during his residency in Vegas at mm. the Rio Hotel. It was yeah. a small theater for 150, for under 500 people. It was like a 300 person theater with just a general admission floor. Tickets were 150 bucks, I think, but mm. like the floor was loose. You could get right up next to the stage, and like Prince played for, of course, three hours, but right. you're right there in his crotch. It was yeah. incredible. I never got to see Prince. Because I thought I had more time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest. We all anytime, he, anytime he came around, I was slightly like, bitty. Yeah, he's busy. not going anywhere. And he always played at the Staples Center, and I never really wanted to see him at right. the Staples Center. I wanted something better in the future. I was waiting for the Minnesota Vikings to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> and oh, I wanted, that's your I, worst mistake. And I wanted to go see how joyous his face was after that. And it never happened. It was, and it's a fucking bummer. But I've I saw a really great uh, uh, Prince, uh, not cover band, but a 
Tribute, tribute band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw a great. Tri- at the the one at the racetrack that they used to do in Inglewood. Was it Purple Rain? But, yeah, but rain it, yeah. like the rain of a king. No, and, it wasn't that. And one. the dude. Well, the one that I saw was at the racetrack in Inglewood, whatever that place was called. But the lead singer would go between Prince and Morris Day. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were probably there together. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah. I gotta be. Fr- I gotta be frank. A lot of the celebrity music deaths deaths this year have been has beens. But Prince really hit hard like because Joe Walsh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even David Bowie. Who wants to go see a David Bowie show? But a Prince show was still exciting, still something to see. Yeah. Uh, eat a dick, Doctors of America. Yeah, it fucking suck, man. I really thought I had a more yeah. time. I saw Lemmy in September and it was sad. So let that be a lesson to everybody. Cautionary tale. If you really like a performer, it doesn't matter where he's fucking playing, it doesn't matter what you're doing, go see him at least once or her. Go see him. And don't wait for the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> don't ever. That's terrible do that. advice. So we're gonna do. The, we're gonna get in the countdown here. And but how do you rank Prince songs? I put these rankings together. It's kind of arbitrary. Top five, the, or the first five we'll go through are kind of lesser known, and then the top five Deep cuts. Are, are the real jams. The jams of the year. Jams. The jams. Let's get into it. Yeah. Number ten. Oh, I like it. This is another song written by Joey Coco. Oh, yeah. Somebody's, Here, somebody somebody's... calling you? Uh, no, it's just a song. Oh! It's fooled you. Oh. He fooled you from the Who grave. Who didn't turn their phone off? Yeah, it reminded me to pull my phone out of my pocket and totally, turn it off. Totally unprofessional, you guys. Uh, this song is called Neon Telephone by a band called The Three O'Clock. Ooh! So The Three O'Clock was this modern rock band from L.A. who signed to Prince's label, Paisley Park, and got the pleasure of recording this amazing song that would have been an enormous hit if it had been on one of Prince's 80s albums uh, when he was at his peak. But uh, And I guess there's a demo of this that Prince recorded, and it's supposed to be kind of good. I heard it. It is not that good. Oh, good. It's hmm. the background. It's really warbly. Maybe, maybe it got messed up somewhere, but it sounds like 8-bit video game. Somebody left it in a hot car. Yeah. So this is a song about um, waiting by the phone for a lady to call. It's a universal thing we've all gone through. Sure. Uh, but I mean, th- maybe not the kids today who wait for a text or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, true. But us old dudes have. Sitting there waiting on dick pics. And I like the title, Neon Telephone, because it features one of uh, one of my favorite Prince title moves, which is to take an adjective, descri- uh, like a really crazy adjective describing something pretty normal. Neon Telephone, Raspberry Beret, Paisley Park. Darling Nikki. Black Sweat. Oh, oh. Lady cab driver. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Little Our... and red Corvette. These guys. That guy's crazy. That Prince. <laughs> A woman driver. His words. Um, this band, the Three O'clock. This is interesting. They were a part of a scene in L.A. called the Paisley Underground. Yeah, like a, a neo-psychedelic scene, sort yeah. of. Yeah, the, their, song, their sound invokes the super jangly, fun 60s pop and a little bit of psychedelia. Uh, this song doesn't do that, but um, the scene that Prince pulled these guys from definitely did. This scene impressed Prince greatly, as you can probably figure out, by his Paisley Park. Yep. Which was inspired by the name oh, and the vibe of this scene in L.A. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and Prince was so into psychedelia that after the you know after Purple Rain made him a superstar, he broke up his backing band because he wanted to do a psychedelic album, which was uh, Around the World in a Day. That was the one with uh, Raspberry Beret on it. And mm-hmm. I have I have to say, the three o'clock 
Their earlier albums say the three o'clock on mm -hmm. it, and it's very hippy dippy, like psychedelic. But by this time, they were just it just said three o'clock. It took the, yeah, this the, was late uh, in their career. Uh, I think this might have been their last album. Se I think maybe second to last. Yeah. Last. Marketing, am I right, guys? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it takes your the away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of um, like sweet versus the sweet. Yeah. Nobody knows. Or the Pink Floyd. You gotta wait till the 2000s to get those thes back. Um, or the Cream. I, I've been listening to a little bit of this scene. They're really cool. Check out other bands like the Rain Parade, the Dream Syndicate, Green or Red, the Pandoras, and even the Bangles are also from that scene. Uh, for their pre-sellout album has a very paisley underground sound. We'll yeah. talk more about the band. Yeah, I'm later. excited to talk about that later. Um, was Cream really called The Cream at yes, one point? Yes, very early on. Wow. That's how you know that a rock critic is old school if he refers to The Cream Here's a or sweet, The Pink Floyd. This is a sweet break, right? Just a regular modern rock song. Prince's on his demo is better than this one because he actually you can down. hear him talking on the mm. phone like, "What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> gonna make you big, gonna make you spread your leg." Uh, one more quick fact about the three o'clock. Good live. Uh, That's from Shockadelica. <laughs> um, the three o'clock broke up in the late '80s and then quietly reunited uh, in time to make it to the to be the 150th billing at Coachella 2013. Fun fact: so wow. they got they got all the bands reuniting at Coachella. They sure yeah. do. This sounds exactly like a Prince song. This song came out, uh, you know, just before Prince's New Power Generation yeah, era. It sounds just like that era. Mm -hmm. Super funky, sexy stuff that's just about n hot, no nonsense fucking. Putting noise. I prefer my fucking without <laughs> nonsense. Putting vocals into the keyboard and pressing the button. <laughs> this is uh, Kid Creole and the Coconuts, the sex of it. It's a song about a fella who's a little concerned that the horny naked woman in front of him is only using him for his wiener, uh -huh. fingers, tongue, anything that can get her off. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a pretty funny song. The guy's uh, been buying her nice presents, but she just wants to bone him, and that's he's somehow disturbed by this. Yeah, because guys like to buy presents for women and expect nothing in return. Yeah, it's it's right. pretty universal, right? Right, guys? I, I don't know. I've never bought a present for a woman before. Yeah. Well, I got my mom uh, breaking for Mother's Day once. What'd you get from that? A hug? And she said, she said, I think you bought this for yourself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> truth. Harsh truth. That's what you said. And got. he said, no, mom, it's not breaking too. Yeah. A little fun facts about uh, Kid Creole. He was born August Darnell. Not in August. His first name was August. Ah. Yeah, so take that to your fact Wait, bank. but he might have been born in August, too. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't look into that. Tim Malcolm, we need you live in person. And most of uh, Kid Creole's earlier music is influenced by the Latin Caribbean styles of Cab Calloway. He puts his own funky twist on it, and his music was just begging for a song written by Prince. Yeah, it's like new wave Cab Calloway, sort of. And I watched the Against All Odds for the Divorce Corps episode, but I'm going to use that research for this one. These guys were in that movie. <laughs> I barely remember it. All I remember, there was a kind of like a crappy band trying to bring back the, exactly what you described. Yeah. And uh, in like zoot suits, and I think they were evoking the Coconut Grove. That's a thing, right? Yeah, that was... Uh, in LA. Yeah, David Lee Roth had a song about Coconut Grove. Yeah, that was the... Uh, Bobby uh, Kennedy there. Yeah, it was at the Ambassador Hotel. Now, Very uh, famous film location. A song written by Prince is always uh, a, a ticket to success. Hunter, I believe you have some chart information on this song. Oh, yes, and it worked because it went to number 31. Holy 31. shit. What a big hit. Yeah, in the Netherlands. Hey. All right. 
It's, I think That's it was, nothing to sneeze at. I think it was 29 in the UK. But the UK doesn't exist anymore, so we can't... Well, it hasn't officially broken up yet. We'll get there. Number eight. Oh, I like this one. This is Nona Hendrix. Um, Who? Baby Go-Go. Nona Hendrix. Heard that last name. Yeah, she was uh, cousins with Jimi Hendrix. I don't know if they were first cousins or it might have been a couple removed. That's But interestingly enough, she changed her last name to have the exact same spelling as the way Jimi Hendrix changed his last name. And I think she did it for the attention. No, I think he no, kept was, his original no. spelling and she added a Y. Yeah, she yeah, added a Y. She changed the I to Y. Oh, no, Jimi Hendrix was... Originally, no. no. I. No. Oh, he was I C K S, and he changed it to I X. Oh, weird. Oh, okay. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, so then okay. she changed hers to Y X. Oh, she okay. tried to one up Jimi Hendrix <laughs> yeah. by having a sweeter last name. Well, when you're the least popular member of uh, Labelle, you start trying to. <laughs> That's true. Trying to figure out what you can do. Uh, Labelle was her first band with Patti Labelle, and they were probably best known for their hit "Lady Marmalade," disco classic. Oh. Um, so oh, she's in that song, video. Listen, to, song, listen to the song for a second. Oh, we just missed the chorus. The chorus of the song is so good. It's another Joey Coco song, by the way. It's weird to me because I thought Prince used it for song for like crossover stuff, but this would have been right at home next to like you got the look on the Sign of the Times album, yeah, which was around the time this song came out. I I would think I used to I kind of still think that Prince picked his ladies that he was going to write songs for and and kind of redo. Out of like sexual attraction, but I th- it did seem like it. But I think, and this is not an insult to Nona, I think she's a very beautiful woman, but I think this case is, I think Prince was a huge Jimi Hendrix fan, and this he was. Kinda, oh yeah, he had to have been, and because he used to like to shred like Jimi Hendrix, he, like he kind of had mm-hmm. a similar style, and I think he this was kind of him paying sort of Jimi back by helping out a relative. That's my theory. Hmm. Don't know if it's true. It's a good theory. Yeah, it is a good theory. Have you seen the video for this where you can really get a good look at her backup band? <laughs> I did, I, no, I oh, they are so goddamn good looking. Describe, at, it's, describe them. It's like a black NXS, which means oh, it's man. so much cooler than NXS. <laughs> <laughs> I love that NXS. It's, it's what NXS, the pinnacle of, of, of cool in Dave's world. I had no idea. <laughs> no, it's like these, you know, the bah, 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 Okay, yeah. Bah, like, they're really into it, but these guys have that, like, kind of cool Jerry Curl sort of look, and they're dancing and making the Paul Stanley face. Um, I, this song is great. Oh, doing jazz fingers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody want to get <laughs> This is another example of a straightforward Prince fucking song. Um, but it's, geez, the, the chorus, here it is. Oh no, it's not here. The, the chorus of this song is so great. Here, is it here? No, I mean... Uh, no. Uh, bridged it. We gotta talk over these songs. Nona Hendrix has become sort of this, like, um... I don't know, like, weird musical artist. Like, do you remember Laurie Anderson with the violin? Oh, yeah, like super that, avant-garde. Yeah, like that pretentious New York shit. After, yeah, down, after the, the downtown New York scene. Yeah. Um, but Nona Hendrix made this thing that she calls her musical tutu, which sounds really dirty. <laughs> Is that like a <laughs> utility belt? No, it's sort? like a, a plexiglass tutu that she controls with something that looks like a Nintendo Power Glove that I guess would kind of work like a theremin. 
that she can change the the voices of instruments or the sound of voice of her voice and instruments by waving her hand around as she sings. Well, that sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I want to go see Nora Hendrix. Yeah. She's a nut. She's great. Um, oh, and again, the golden ticket of print songwriting rocketed this song all the way up to number 60 on the R&B charts. Thank Woo! you, Prince. Rhythm and blues. Mm, both of them. <laughs> both the Together charts. at last. Number seven. Oh, I like, I like this one. Oh, me too. Yeah, this is really good. This is my girl Kate Bush showing up for the first time on this podcast. And it won't be the last. With a song for this is generally regarded as her weakest album. This is from The Red Shoes, 1993. This but, is one of my favorites. Here's her weakest stuff. <laughs> it's surrounded by her weakest stuff. Yeah, it, it's not that there's no good songs on The Red Shoes. It's that it's just generally regarded as overall her weakest collection. Right. Uh, it preceded like a 12-year, I think, hiatus from music altogether. Um, and it had a lot of guest artists on it. Yeah, like Jeff it did. Beck and Eric Clapton, and we got her working with Prince on this. Yeah, um, she met Prince at his Wembley Stadium show in 1990. They both knew each other's work because they were both geniuses. <laughs> uh, and then this was this started High off five. as a collaboration yeah. <laughs> by. Ma- hey, good job! They communicated through telepathy. Yeah, that's what geniuses can do. Uh, they did this by mail. Uh, Kate recorded the basic tracks for the song, and she asked Prince if he would sing background vocals on it. Uh, so instead, Prince just completely rearranged the entire song, added a bunch of his own instruments, which you can hear when you were not talking over it. Like, as soon as that chorus hits, like, oh shit, this sounds like a Prince song yeah. all of a sudden. So it's like the first postal service. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, yeah. It's like the postal forth. service, except way better. <laughs> it's like it's like Kate Bush. Yeah, it's Kate Bush, and then boom, it's it's Prince, and then yes. like we're in a Kate Bush section again, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. Yeah, it's really it's a, cool. Yeah. It's a fun match. And he's yeah, he's not technically he's not technically credited as a writer on this song, but like you know, obviously he, his fingerprints are all over it. I love Kate Bush. She's got two oh, of my favorite so songs good. in the world: "Hounds of Love" and uh, the other one. What's your other uh, Hounds of Love and my one of my favorite songs, guys? Wuthering Heights, Up the Hill, Running, Running up, the, up hill. the Hill. No, Wuthering Heights is your favorite song. Oh, okay, Wuthering Heights is. But uh, <laughs> that's my fucking jam, bro. Um, I like the way that she's just like Tori Amos. Tori Amos totally bitter style. Oh yeah, definitely. Both in singing and performance style, they have two shticks. One is um, Rye Redhead at the piano, and the other performance style is Woman Made of Jello trying to stand upright. They both do it. And I think Kate Bush influenced a lot of people. And they, a lot of musicians, ma- male and female, owe a lot to her. She changed the game. There wasn't anybody that really sounded like her. Yeah, there was before. a different game going on before Kate Bush came along, and then she's like, I'm going to change this game. I think I need I to want listen a different to, game. Yes. I think I need to listen to more Kate Bush, because for the most part, I respect everybody's opinion in this room, and I'm just not getting this one. Really? Yeah. Well, it's a weird, like, the song is kind of a weird setup because the verses, like, they're kind of these just recitations, and then it crashes into this chorus with a very simple, straightforward sentiment, and I was trying to piece together, like, what does what does the chorus have to do with any of these verses? And then it hit me, I think she's looking at a Velvet Elvis painting 
Because if oh. you read the words out loud, it's like, oh, there's per she's talking about colors like she, Aphrodite's she, child does. She's looking at velvet paintings. Uh, one, one of the verses is, have you ever seen a picture of Jesus laughing? Do you think he had a beautiful smile, a smile that healed? That's a whole verse. That's yeah. it. And that would it's, be a yeah, velvet it's just painting. One, it's a stray thought that goes into this but simple course about it, loving people. It's so obtuse, I can't even figure out how to make it about coming. Uh, who am I kidding? I can make <laughs> it about coming. Yeah, well, uh, how's it about wait, coming, uh, Are you going to do that? Yeah, the smile is a smile that. at the tip of Jesus' dick, and it heals by right. coming the disease known as not pregnant. It, it heals the disease by coming, and the disease is called not, pre not pregnant. Thank you very much. Good read. There, she does mention purple in this song because of royalty. I think it's Velvet Elvis because he's the king, and also she's sending it to Prince. I think it's Velvet Paintings. Different ones. I think it's Elvis. I'll fight you in the parking lot afterwards. Alrighty. Didn't we have that argument in episode one? Number About six. fighting in the parking lot? About Elvis Paintings? Yeah, we did. I'm never right We can talk about that in the parking lot, too. I really want to see you guys fight in the parking lot. I'd rather listen to this Paula Abdul song in the parking lot. <laughs> this yeah, is... rated higher than Kate Bush. Instead, this of, is... instead of slapping at each other. Are you finished? Yeah. Okay. We're going to fight in the parking lot. You and I are going to fight in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is the song U, just the letter U, and this is from Paula's second album, Spellbound. Uh, this was never released as a single, and apparently the earliest version of this dates back to 1979, around the time of Prince's second album, but Paula says Prince wrote it for her. They may or is. may not have been dating at the time. And it's number six on the countdown. Well, it's, you listen to it like melodically, like you can hear that little bit that just played. Oh, uh, there's all sorts oh, of these little weird Prince tidbits floating around, uh, especially when you get into the last half of the song. Um, it reminds me a lot of the like the the weirder '90s Prince songs, like Thieves in the Temple or Seven. The most Prince thing about this song is the fact that "you" is spelled with a "u." Musically, musically, it's very Prince. It's just that it happens to be sung by Paula Abdul, who is not that talented a singer. Lyrically, it's Prince too, and this is another directly sexual Prince song from the early New Power Generation era. And it's a nice "Sex Me Up" sung by a narrator who thinks I'm pretty sexy and I'm making her pretty horny. That's what this song is. God, I didn't get nothing from you guys. This one. You. Oh, I keep looking at Dave who hasn't slept for two days. Yeah, I'm a little exhausted. Um, I was hanging out in Minnesota this morning. And I'm fighting Steve. I gotta start looking at Hunter. You're my only friend left on the. Hey, you know what? This sounds like CNC Crap Factory. There you go. Oh, I, this, yeah, this one really stands out like a turd on this. Paula Abdul needs to get her moon-faced ass back to working with MC Scat Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I, was that more what you wanted, JD? Yes, thank you. Yeah, that was good. The yeah. MC Scat Cat That's song is, is better than her Prince song. Yeah. yeah. What? MC, MC well, Scat when you Cat's get, a pretty talented guy. <laughs> I mean, get, also, she's not necessarily enough to carry a song vocally on her own. <laughs> I, I listened to Prince's demo of the song, thinking like, oh, was it good? and it's, he's still using that guitar sound from CNC Music Factory, even on his Everybody version. Everybody dance now. I, I listened to Prince's version of the song. And it's still not very good. But, but it, the interesting thing is he adds more interesting musical touches it's more on Paula's version. Oh, oh, well, somehow this one's worse, though. His, his, because Paula's singing it. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
She's got nothing. Yeah. She's got nothing. Stay away from I, this Prince is, songs. It's her performance. This reminds me of like when Nev Campbell tried to play a dirty bad girl in the movie <laughs> Wild Things. Yeah. It was incredibly unconvincing. <laughs> or Denise Williams played a scientist in a James Bond movie, and just nobody's fucking buying it. You mean it. Denise Richards? Yeah. Who's Denise, Denise Williams? She did. Let's hear it for Let's the boy. Yeah. Oh, I like her. She's yeah. a woman. Yeah. She's yeah. on the boat. Welcome to the boat, Denise Williams. Sorry, Dave, forgot about you. Come on up. <laughs> R.I.P. Joe Walsh. Oh, here we go. <laughs> 50 states and 50 podcasts. Podding in a casting, and here we come. 50 states and 50 podcasts. We got America on the run. Woo! All right. My turn. Here we are. So we got on the bus. The engine blew. <laughs> and we got right back off the bus, and we're here in Minnesota, the birthplace of Joey Coco. Minnesota, Joey Coco. This is uh, hey, who are we listen to? This is uh, Joey's uh, arch rival. The time. What are you pointing at, Dave? I got a joke. Okay. You could have said we blew the engine on the bus, and I should have said no. They prefer the term Native American. No. All right. Oh. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> no sleep Dave has turned into the dirty uncle he truly is. Yes, finally. True Dave coming out. Oh, I've been drinking for five days straight. <laughs> well, anyways. That Michigan beer, man. Oh. You ever hear the one about the Chinaman, the Jew, and the African? <laughs> I think there's a rabbi in there, too. No, oh, you said Jew. <laughs> One of the Jewish rabbis. All right, all right, all right, all right let's get back. Let's, let's, uh... Oh, it's Minnesota! We're in Minnesota! Dave, you get back on the bus, and I'm we're going to hang out here for a little I'm while. I'm going to take a nap on the bus while you guys this are working is, this out. This is uh, Joey Coco's arch-rival, The Time, 777-9311. I refuse to call them Morris Day and The Time. They are the motherfucking time. Yes, this, that's true. They were just the time. They're yes. not credited as Morris Day in the time. I mean, they kind of were later, but whatever. But of course, this was written by Prince because Prince did fucking everything on their albums. JD, you had some. Oh yeah, real quick, just the, this number in the in here uh, today. If you look it up, area code six five one. It belongs to a business uh, called United States Business Forms in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. And y- it used to be a member of the Revolution. Des Dickerson. That's the doctor, isn't it? Is yeah, Doctor Des. Yeah. yeah, it was his. That was Dr. Fink. Oh. Oh. Wow. Dr. Death sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah, he should have been. I think it was the base. I don't know. Anyways, uh, that was his phone number, and he had to change his number after. I think Des Dickerson was the guy that wore clear jeans with a thong. Real good look in the NPG. Yeah. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to blow quickly blow some people's minds here. If you listen to the time, you're gonna hear a lot of a sim, uh, a lot of songs that sound very similar to sort of Prince's '80 80 to '82 period, his his kind of delirious era stuff there, his party funk. Is that the Minneapolis sound? Yeah, I think yeah. This is, is that what defines the Minneapolis because you can't really sound like Prince, but you can sound like the Minneapolis sound. You know what the nice thing about this song is? It's fucking long. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> And Prince was really concerned about being pigeonholed as just an R&B yeah. artist because 80s pop radio was not that progressive yeah. and at this he, point. And he's a fucking artist and he wanted to move on. He changed How many times right. did he change his band and all this stuff? So 
he basically was like, all right, I still want to be a fucking party funk dude, but I don't, but I need to progress as an artist and kind of move on. I don't want to be left here and behind. So he basically created the time and got his buddy Morris Day to front it and said, I'm going to write all this fucking material that I really like the party. Yeah, to. Like, here's my straight R&B stuff. Here, here's my shit. It's yours. And it's yours. And so if you hear, if you listen, the time never changes. Oh. But that's not deep. how I'm, that's, that's deep. Bro. That's not how I'm gonna blow people's mind. I'm gonna do it real fast. So if you watch Purple Rain, we all know Purple Rain. Of course. The bad guys is the time. But when you think about it, it's really about Prince maturing into a into a true artist. And, oh, absolutely. And, and the time is like his Tyler Durden. Are they actually in there? Because he's because the the next phase of Prince, the Purple Rain and the Revolution Prince, is fighting the old party funk Prince. And also, new Prince has to learn how to work with other people and be a teammate, even though he's the band leader. Yeah, and, and, so and he turns into his father. Well, didn't his wasn't his father a nasty person? Well, yeah. he was trying not to turn yeah, into his father. Yeah. He had to, he had, he had end, to grow he played, and change to not turn. He into found his the father. songs that his father wrote. So he, and played he them. yeah. So he didn't want to be his former younger, precocious, devil may care self. He wanted to be his newer, more mature, artistically sensitive self. And that's what that movie's about. And you think with a revelation like that, it might make the movie good. <laughs> but it still doesn't. The Except for the, mu the music you know, numbers. The, the awesome. music numbers are off yeah. the charts. Are wonderful. Let's name a bunch yeah, of bands. The movie would not work without the bands in Minnesota. The replacements. Go. Husker Du. Go. Closing time band. Solo Semisonic. Semisonic. Solo. Yeah. yeah. Go. Good enough. Okay. Let's get back on the bus. Hey guys. Really short back change. To the bus. Husker Du and the replacements there. Number five. Well, uh, sorry, bro. <laughs> we're talking about Prince. We'll really talk about them. We'll talk about them later, man. We'll talk about them later. Do a Husker Duke countdown if you want. No, we're going to talk I'm about I'm going to fight you in the parking lot. I'm not afraid of you, Hollywood Steve. All right, guys. Settle it's down. It's going to be an awful fight. We're coming <laughs> in at number five. Here I'll it is. face. Sheena Easton with Sugar Walls. We're going back all the way, way back to the rock bands. Yeah, that's right. B-A-N-S. Yeah, B-A-N-S. This is one of the filthy fi 15 that Tipper Gore was like, this makes me uncomfortable. Like That list pisses me thinking off. Thinking that kids listen to this, and I did too. Um, this was written by the enigmatic Alexander Nevermind, who sometimes, who they say, is actually Joey Coco. Joey Coco. They've never been seen at the, in the same room at the same time. Okay, so here's the thing. True story about this this song. So, Sheena Easton is Scottish, right? Mm -hmm. And there, as we know, there's a lot of gingers in Scotland. Yep. And so they make a lot of gingerbread houses. Mm -hmm. As we know, Prince is very religious, so during Christmas time, he likes doing that too. So when these guys got together, they had this love of gingerbread houses, and they knew that the hardest part of the house are the sugar walls. And so Prince went back and wrote a song in honor of that very difficult part of that very delicious house. Yeah, there's kind of no, like Sir no... Mix-a-Lot with buttermilk biscuits. Yeah, it's that's and that's what sugar. I'm just kidding. There's no it's religious totem. It's about the vagina. It's a dong bag song, yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So as we know, the sugar wolves is what holds up the the, the uter roof. <laughs> Jesus. Because as we all know, the sugar walls are load bearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got it out! Uh, I got it! I was gonna mess that up! 
Sugar wall. The sugar wall is a weird term for vagina because sugar dissolves when it gets moist. And there's nothing more moist than the vagina. And I don't know if you guys have ever tasted a vagina, but it's more, like, salty than sweet. Yeah, it's, it should it's, be called... it's more savory than a you know, dessert. <laughs> Depending on your chef specialties, it should be called yeah. like you, like it's sweet or savory. You don't watch the cooking show. Salty walls. I know. Umami walls. Umami walls. Well, there's salty walls of walls of somebody else. Well, another fella's been there just before you. Ugh. Seaweed's kind of salty. Yeah. Yeah. Seaweed walls. Yeah. This is terrible. Well, listen. It's called sugar walls for a reason because. The, because they're, because they're of the important part of the structure, the spiritual religious of totem of the gingerbread house. <laughs> Maybe she throws a sugar uh, cube up there as God a little treat. Damn it! Hey, this song peaked at number nine and got banned everywhere because it's not about a dick. Yeah. They're like, oh my God! You're no, a women, no, song, not women about aren't dick. supposed to enjoy sex. No. Or people not about sex. Because there was plenty of songs about dicks on the fucking radio. Yeah. Love I, Gun. I, I would get fucking banned. I wouldn't. Balls to the wall. I would not enjoy sex if my vagina was made of sugar and dissolved every time I got horny. Get that real would not sticky. be fun. It would just dissolve and I have to go to the doctor, get a new one put in. Terrible. Mm. It's not fun. You so know what's moister than what? a vagina? Hmm. Is the goddamn humidity in Minnesota this afternoon. Minnesota, we just left Minnesota. We're back, back on, on the bus. bus. Back on the bus. Dave was there. Dave I was really there. I still got to sponge my nuts uh. off. Yeah, it doesn't. Anyway, before this song, most people knew Sheena Easton is this very wholesome young lady. Uh, she had this really bright, upbeat, peppy number one hit in 1981 called Morning Train 9 to 5. There's a song about her hardworking man who spends oh. all day supporting her, and then he comes home to find and, her waiting for him. And I got to do this real fast. I got to tell the real story of this song. What is the real story of this song? They basically wrote back and forth, and, and they got together, but but Prince, she was like, I want to work with you, and Prince was like, well, okay, here's a song, and they met at a Super Bowl party, and after the Super Bowl party, they went and fucking made a song. What a super fucking Super Bowl. Really great. It was not the Vikings. It was not. It was the 49ers. Crushed Dan Marino. Number four. You get that paper shake in there, Hunter. Yeah, let's just relax for a second. Yeah, it's good. Let's get into this. Hunter's unbuttoning. I was going to point out that uh, Sinead O'Connor changed the the original lyric from Prince from 13 days to 15 days, but Hunter sighed over it. Wait, so now I can't podcast, point it out. Hunter. Anyway! Wait, didn't you just say it? He just did, yeah. Go, yeah, I just fucked with your brain, bro! I'm fighting you, bro! Fighting Man, in the parking lot. Get, this is gonna get nasty. Uh, this is, of course, is Sinead O'Connor with her international number one smash, Nothing Compares to You. Uh, Prince originally wrote this for a spin-off act called The Family. They were like a blue-eyed soul group that had some post-Morris Day members of the time. Uh, this was on their 1985 album, which was the only one. It was never released as a single. And I was trying to figure out, like, how the fuck did Sinead O'Connor find this song? Because the original is kind of this, like, this spacious synth bow that George Michael would have really torn into a couple years later. And it's a fun song. It's a good yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 not as, uh, it's not as stark as this one. Not There's a little all. more swing to it. There's a lot of whoa, 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 whoa in the, in yeah, the, in the background vocals. You sway more to it. Yeah. It's a happier sway song. And uh, so Sinead O'Connor, apparently she was somewhat influenced by Prince, um, and she 
she had this manager named Fachna O'Kelly who suggested covering it. And I tried to figure out how the hell Fachna O'Kelly knew about this song, but I couldn't find anything. Are you sure uh, you're pronouncing that properly? I tried to look it up on the on the interwebs. How's it spelled? F-A-C-H-T-N-A. Fachna, he's doing Fachna. it. Fachna. Fachna, I like no. it. I like it. Apparently, they dated for a while when uh, he, when Fakno was about forty and Sinead O'Connor was about seventeen. Hot stuff. Hot stuff. You, Stat like, tracks almost. You're like a kid that's figured out he can swear in front of his parents by saying that. You're so excited to say <laughs> Fakno. It's extremely Irish, uh, like Sinead O'Connor herself. Um, yeah. She. Oh, she was before this song hit big. She was like a college radio alternative artist. Uh, she recorded all these extremely personal, emotionally intense songs. They're kind of, they're feminist and confessional, and it. She really kind of fit in that niche b- between U2's political rock and that ethereal Celtic stuff like Enya. A prince looked around and said, "Who's the best person I can give a song to? The most fitting person." And he found this bald. Pasty Irish girl and said, "That's my girl." Did yeah. He, did he give this to her? No, he no. He like he had no idea. Yeah, he didn't like. I I heard that Prince really didn't like her version of the song because she has a dirty mouth and she was ripping up pictures of the Pope. But and, yeah, he was in his religious awakening and, when he met her and he didn't like her swearing. And apparently, according to her, they her and Prince actually got into a fight and she implies that it was a fist fight or a Donnybrook if you're from the Emerald, Emerald Isle. Um, could you imagine those two fighting? They probably all... Sinead would win. <laughs> I think it looked like Steve and uh, JD fighting yeah, in a parking similar. lot. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Ow! <laughs> Uh, they're a good thematic mix, though, Sinead and Prince, because they're both mash sex and, and Jesus. Yeah. Both, and they both explore those themes. And they're both two feet tall and weigh and 60 pounds, pounds soaking wet. <laughs> Uh, the only the only time Prince ever recorded this was like a live version that came out on his 1993 hits compilation. That was a uh, damn good compilation. It was a damn good compilation. I don't prefer his version to Sinead O'Connor's. But before we move on, I want to get this out there. There's a conspiracy afoot, gentlemen. I used to listen to American Top 40 very heavily back in the day. And, you know, the the big the highlight was the year-end countdown. It was the top songs of the year, according to Chart Performance and Billboard magazine. This was the number one song of 1990, according to the American Top 40 episode I listened to. But if you go and you look up the Billboard charts from 1990, it's completely different. And it's the only year that that's ever happened. Like, it's the only one that doesn't match my memory. They, according to the internet, the number one song of 1990 is Hold On by Wilson Phillips, which is bullshit. I'm fucking jam. Wilson, and I am Wilson's the only Phillips. one who remembers this. I'm the only man on earth who remembers this, and were it not for this podcast, this knowledge would have died with me. What the fuck is up, internet? Thanks. Tell me. Tell me if you know yeah. what the hell is up with that. Sheeple. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. That was I'm glad import- I got that out. That was important. It really was. It really was. That's a, that's a number three. Chuck it on. Chuck it on. Who? Who sings this one, guys? John, Johnny the Rapper. <laughs> so, this is uh, Shaka Khan with I Feel For You. At first, I was like, let's not do any Prince covers, because this is like a cover of a song that appeared on his 1979 album. Uh, but it didn't really make an impression, and this Shaka Khan version was huge, and that's what makes it really yeah. special. Not a lot of Prince covers are bigger than his version. And 
This version is much better known. It hit number three in the United States and won Princess Songwriting Grammy. Yeah, oh, that's Stevie Wonder on harmonica, too. Oh, fun fact. Oh, nice. Fun fact, guys. Yeah, Prince's original version was really weird, that Chaka Khan rap. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it was bizarre. Like, no why, where did that come from? Like, who, who is Shaka this? Khan? Why am I yeah. listening to it? There's foresight. The guy's a fucking genius. There's not a lot of examples Time of somebody traveler. doing a Prince song better than Prince, except the obvious Ween version of uh, Shaka Delica. But uh, and the Sinead O'Connor one we just heard. This uh, this Juan Grammy. He was nominated over the course of his life for 32 Grammys. He only won seven, but it's got to be more than like a lot of people. <laughs> And, uh, and Melly Mel mm-hmm. is the rapper on this song. Oh. Which yeah. is the reason why it's not a try and rap, because he knows how to rap. But let's yeah. let's be honest, it's pretty close. <laughs> I think there are different good- standards for old school lyrical technique. I think it's Chaka good. Did the, you know that that was a mistake. Like somebody bumped into the button a couple times and it went. So they just fucking was like, that's hot. So this song is a part of a little-known genre called high energy. It's the letters NRG. Basically, it's a it's very high tempo electronic dance, uh, disco and dance music. Uh, it's a movement that was kicked off by Georgia Moroder and Donna Summer with "I Feel Love." Um, and as I looked into it, almost every high energy song I listened to was just badass. They had that driving Giorgio Moroder beat. And you um, love Giorgio Moroder. I love his yeah. shit, yeah. Um, some of the songs in that genre are like uh, Blue Monday by New Order and Obsession by Animotion. But and most I, of them are by artists you've never fucking heard of. Yeah, but the, the vast majority. JD, I, I JD. Fe- yeah. You should have just pretended you invented that, and we could have done a show about it. Well, I feel like, like in researching this, discovering the Paisley Underground and this high energy, I feel like we can do some shows about genres that exist, but very few people have heard about. Yeah. Which, if we go down that road, I've got lists for the next four or five years. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we all do. Um, Have you seen the video to this one, the music video? No. I feel like I ask that a lot. Describe it. Uh, I was watching it today. For some reason, they're dancing around a chain link fence, which I s- seem to think happened a lot in the 80s. Like, especially on the TV show Sha Na Na. Whenever they'd set up for a band, there's a fake, unnecessary chain link. Not what I wanted to talk about on the song. I couldn't find any reference of this being in either Breakin' or Breakin' 2, the electric boogaloo. <laughs> but the entire music video, it's got Turbo and Ozone. Uh, Shabadoo and uh, Michael Kellner. Yeah, Michael Little Shrimp or Breaking Shrimp, whatever his nickname was. Yeah, uh, and they're dancing through this whole thing. They're and, very famous break dancers. Yeah, they get a lot of FaceTime in this, and I got excited thinking it was going to be in Breaking, and it wasn't. Maybe you should have called your mom since she has a copy of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's on beta. Number two. This one's like the most obvious choice of a uh, of a song Prince wrote for somebody else. But we were talking about the Paisley Underground before. This is, of course, the Bangles with Manic Monday, and the chord phrasing or the the vocals on this is almost identical to Purple. Sing Rain. it. I forgot the words. Oh wow. Well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was dreaming when I wrote this. Forgive me if I go astray. Yeah. She's yeah. talking about dreams right up top. Yeah. Um, this is another example of a weird Prince adjective noun song. I love them. Manic yeah. Monday. How do you describe a Monday? Manic. <laughs> Why not? I'm Prince. Yeah, it's and it's not very original. Uh, 
it's literally about a bad Monday, <laughs> yeah. and they yeah. rhyme day with day a lot. And mm-hmm. it just that's keeps, that, that's that Monday, that, Sunday, fun day. They keep saying day that all Brian the time. Brian Adams AA rhyme scheme. But it's not. But no, it's literally <laughs> day day. Well, yeah. <laughs> Does it, does, I was it even not expecting this. a Brian Adams joke right there. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian Adams. <laughs> we took the piss out of Brian Adams, fellas. Finally. 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 Someone did, that Canadian um, fuck. And you know who wrote this? Prince? Nope. Christopher. Uh, oh. Yeah. oh, like Christopher Tracy, except just Christopher. It's just, I don't know. Well, I actually looked it up, and it was apparently his character's name in uh, Under the uh, Cherry Moon. Cherry Moon, another one. Or yeah. as I wrote, yeah. under the yeah. China yeah. Beach. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, you were just fucking with us. The bang- This doesn't sound like the Paisley Underground sound of the Bengals' roots. They really shook off that sound for this. And it's like they must have, uh, you know, they, the Bengals started taking off. And the other bands in the scene were like, oh my god, we're next. And yeah. then they heard this song and they're like... Doesn't sound like us. We're not gonna get signed to a big label. Oh man! Oh shit! And Susanna Hoffs is way hotter than us. Okay, that was another yeah, thing I wanted to bring up. She is something. Uh, so in the Nona Hendrix thing, I think that was a like a respect thing. This one is just simply uh, Susanna Hoffs. Susanna Hoffs is super yeah. hot. And yeah. so, hey, here's a song, and I'm pretty sure that's the story he wanted to have sex with. Oh, her you know, I mean, the, 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 really, the, one of the biggest things, of, the best parts of being a musical genius, is if you want to try to bang hot female singers, it really helps if you can give them a surefire hit. Oh, you know what? I guarantee he ran into her in an elevator and said, "Oh, hey, I, uh, I wrote a song for you," and she said, "Oh, you did? I'd love to hear it." Excuse me. Ran into the bathroom, <laughs> quick ripped off 1999 with his turd song, came yeah. back to her, and made her a huge star. Yeah. What a guy. Well, they they didn't write most of their own songs, the Bangles, did they? Some of them. So they, they did some and they didn't do others. Yeah, and Walk Like an Egyptian was original, but Hazy Shade of Winter was a Simon and Garfunkel mm-hmm. cover. We're exposed to wake up, people. Good. I got to Walk Like an Egyptian on stage with her once. It was awesome. I recommend the movie The All-Nighter. Boy, that wrapped up well. Number it's a, one. It's a three-minute song. Yeah. <gasps> Number one. Number one. All right, I'm gonna get into this one. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do a quick wrap up of where this song came from. Um, this is uh, who I usually confuse with Sheena Easton. This is Sheila E. Uh, <laughs> You're not the first one to, to do oh, that. Oh God, it did my like all the '80s and most of the '90s. Wait, wait which one? Is it? Um, this Two is, different people. Uh, this is a glamorous life by Sheila E. Uh, Prince wrote this under the name Jamie Starr, two R's of the Star Company, also with two R's. I assume Jamie was the owner of the Star Company, but he related to Ringo. He was just a sh- he was just the shadow, uh, or he was the public figure. It was actually run by Joey Coco. Oh, yeah. Turns out there really Joey wasn't Coco. a Hughes Co- Corporation either. Yeah. Fun fact: Prince actually called out Jamie Starr in a, in a song on 1999 called DMSR where he said, Jamie Starr is a thief! Uh, and this is before the internet or anybody knew who that prince was all these other people. and Trying to drum up some controversy. Yeah, so that's that, going back to that it's going back to that Tyler Durden thing that he has going on where he's yeah. constantly battling himself. Okay. Guys, I'm, I'm going to try to do this really fast. So where did this come? You keep saying that. Okay, I know, but I, I, haven't, I haven't started yet. <laughs> So, <laughs> really? So, no, I haven't. Hughes Corporation wrote Stop. "Rock the Boat." Stop interrupting him. He's got a five paragraphs to read. Go. Yes. 
Okay, here we go. Glamorous Life. Where did this come from? This great song. Why, how did it get to Sheila E? Okay, we all know Vanity, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Vanity. Okay, well, right before her, Prince had really, really, really wanted to mold a female artist, and all he had was three so-so girls. And he, three hot chicks. They, yeah. But he didn't, the, one was his girlfriend, but he wasn't too on fire about him. And he put him into a band, and they were called The Hookers. Oh, good yeah. band name. Yeah, terrible. Um, so then he met a Canadian model actress named Denise Matthews and said, okay, you're it. So he kicked out one of the hookers, put her in the band, and they changed her name originally to v- Vagina. Uh-huh. And, and she said, no, that's, that's dumb. Uh, let's just call me uh, Vanity. And so it became the Vanity Six. Three members, and they're the Vanity Six. Why? Because everyone has two boobs. True story. I, I don't. That's No, I mean everyone in Vanity Six. Oh, okay. The three members had to do the math. Six boobs. That's Vanity Six. Okay. So then Purple Rain came. Uh, Prince and Vanity got into a fight. She left. They needed to fill that Vanity role. And in walked uh, Patty Cotero, and who uh, was like a who was Miss San Pedro, and uh, and a oh. cheerleader for the L.A. Rams. Anyways, Prince was like, "You're next," and I think Apollonia was her middle name, and they stuck with that because Patty Six sucked. Anyways, it's more exotic. Yeah, and so it became Apollonia Six. Well, I don't think Prince was like too enthused about a Apollonia Six, so he dropped on their one album. He dropped some decent songs. One of one of them was Manic Monday, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. The other one was this one, because I I think this was a good song. Anyways, the, he met Sheila E. Sheila Sheila E. was Sheila Escovedo. Um, who was a really great percussionist. He had a lot of respect for her. He said, you should sing. You should get up in front. And I got this amazing song that I didn't want to give to the Apollonia 6. It's called The Glamorous Life. Boom! That's where it came from. The Glamorous Life. That's a little trip down Prince's Lady's... Sheila E's sure. dad was also a, a professional percussionist, yes. Pete mm-hmm. Escobedo. And his and godfather? Tito Puente was her godfather, and then her brother's a professional drummer. Her uncle's, uh, she was just surrounded by Tito Puente, who's Puerto yeah. Rican, and then just a bunch of Mexican dudes hitting stuff. It's a good life. <laughs> and, and she was it's a glamorous, glamorous life. <laughs> and she was super talented, and I think, and Prince really respected her. The first time he met her, which was, she was a little younger, I think it was like in the 70s, Prince and the bassist came up to her and said, hey, we're having an argument about which one of us is going to marry you. Do you remember being at my house watching the Olympics a few years yes. ago? One Direction. One, one Direction played? Yeah. And we were both like, oh my God, this is totally a Sheila E. song. Yeah. And I, said, I think I said this is totally a Sheena Easton song. Yeah. yeah but course. it took us a while to, to YouTube it. We found out we were right. Yeah. And Apparently- left one person in that room very disappointed. I was going to say, apparently uh, Sheila E. on the BET Awards the other night just tore up her tribute to Prince, like just fucking killed it. I, I haven't watched I, it. I, I, I haven't watched it, but I they heard were it's like amazing. They were actually respected each other, whereas like the Vanity Six, the time played in a sheet behind them when they went out on stage. They were just, they, right. they weren't like a real thing, but she was real. And yeah, really she's is. like a real band leader with real talent. Yep. 
Hey, that was our Prince countdown, guys. Great job. I had a fun time exploring songs written by Prince. Mm -hmm. I think we blew some minds. We got some songs that weren't on the, on yeah. the BuzzFeed list. Great job mm -hmm. all around. Or if nothing else, we made people listen to those songs where they may not have clicked before. That's right. Um, uh, well, so what didn't make the oh, list? To that. Here's my shit. I think th this song should have been on the list. Maybe. If, if Prince had actually written it. This is Stevie Nicks' uh, Stand Back, which is badass. Basically, Stevie yeah. Nicks, she tells this story a lot. She was cruising down the PCH in a convertible listening to Little Red Corvette. As one does. And it's just started to hum this song over it and just totally kind of ripped it off. And wrote Prince is like, hey, I think I ripped your song off. Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, Stevie Nicks. And he might have even come in and no, played no, some that's what instruments. Happened. He on said, it. he said, she said, I, I wrote the song. Is that cool? And he said, yeah. And then when she recorded it, Prince just fucking walked right in the room, found out, walked right in the room, fucking laid down the, I'm pretty sure the keyboard part, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then fucking walked out. Yeah, it's fantastic. I can't prove that he was written by Prince, so I had to keep it off the countdown, but I love this song. It's my favorite Stevie Nicks song. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac or Stevie Nicks solo. Um, what else, guys? What else? Uh, we left off Nasty Girl, the Vanity Six hit. Uh, that's a good one. And I also kind of like that ballad that Prince did with Martika, Love Thy Will Be Done. Yeah, I wanted It's a little more somber than what we did put on the countdown, but it's it's nice. It's nice. It's a fitting epitaph. I felt like that's why I wanted to talk about Vanity Six. I feel like vanity needed to be discussed. Apollonia, not so much. Sex shooter, eh, not really worth yeah, it. Yeah. Um, my favorite sexy prince protege is Carmen Electra, aka Tara Patrick, and she had a song called Fun. Isn't Tara Patrick a porn star? Yeah, that's why she changed her name, I guess. Uh, that, or that's why Prince changed her name. Mm. Um, yeah, that's he's the one who came up with Carmen Electra. It's crazy. I love that. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I was looking at the, I was listening to that Carmen Electra album. I'm pretty sure Prince did the whole thing, but he only put his name on one, which is fun. And then I later found out Carmen Electra just had a song a couple years ago called Bigger Dick, which is a cautionary tale of what happens when you do stop working with Prince. You write terrible songs. <laughs> it's bad. It's and not, not in the way you're going to think. I mean, you really listen to that song. Anyways, great job. I absolutely uh, love the song When You Were Mine by Cyndi Lauper, and I really, really wanted hers to be the first one, but then I realized she was just covering a Prince song, so it just didn't fit our uh, criteria. And she didn't kill it like uh, Chuck Tan did. Yeah. She did a right. good job, but it wasn't a huge smash, and I know that song more as a Prince yeah. song. Yeah. It was on what, Dirty Mind? Yeah. All right. Well, that was Prince, everyone. I had a fun. It's late. late I night. had a fun, too. I'm gonna have fun beating you up in the parking lot. Next episode, the summer's in full swing, and I'm the captain, so it's high time I unleashed a genre I like to call Camaro Summer. Oh shit! Yeah, just in time. Yeah, I'll tell you. I think this is hitting. I think Camaro Summer is hitting the Fourth yeah. of July weekend. Uh huh. Yeah, I think it will. Um, uh -huh. So it's it's a great playlist for summer. You guys are gonna love it. Uh -huh. So find this week's written by Prince playlist uh, by following JD Rizner on Spotify. Go to feralaudio.com for show notes by Tim Malcolm and follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. 
Send fun factness. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow JD at JD Riznov. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes to help us stay buzzed about. Go to YachtRock.com for what will hopefully one day be a useful experience. <laughs> That's the funniest thing you said so far. Thanks to at John underscore Digital for sending the bumpers. Send your bumpers to BeyondYachtRock at gmail.com. Be part of the show. Make a smile. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall, the prince of podcasting, and check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. <gasps> and now go listen to the guitar solo at the end of Purple Rain and Cry. All right, all right, all right. Steve, taking my shirt off. Let's go. R.I.P. Prince and R.I.P. Joe Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> Feral Audio.